Welcome to We Be Watching, where we break down our favorite and sometimes not so favorite films and TV shows. I'm Brittany Danielle, writer, pop cultural critic, and I'm not ready, but let's go. Let's talk about this episode. And I'm Sharon, techie by day, writer by night. My allergies have started up on me, so excuse me if you hear a little bit of breathiness going on, but uh, I'm here and ready to talk about The Borderlands. Indeed. Remember, we are breaking down every single thing from this episode and also from this season of Queen Sugar. So if you haven't watched the episode, put a pause on this podcast, go back and watch it, and then come back and join in this conversation with us. In the meantime, if you have things that you want us to talk about, if you have questions, if you have other shows um, that you want this podcast, we'll be watching or we'll be watching a lot of stuff, <laughs> which is a lot another cast that I'm doing with another co-host Raja hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at we be watching pod or send us an email at we be watching pod at gmail.com also if you're listening on Apple please consider giving us that cool five-star review and leaving a couple of words uh, a couple of kind words about the podcast it continues to help us spread the word and get more people into watching it all right today we are here to talk about season five episode six of queen sugar titled may 27th 2020 this episode was directed by sierra glade again she was a former pa on the show who got her first ever tv directing gig earlier this season on queen sugar and she's back to direct this episode and it was written by anthony sparks who is the showrunner for this show. I didn't jot down the official synopsis, but all of the border loans and everybody in St. Joe is reacting to the tragedy of George Floyd's death. So Sharon, I know we both had a lot of emotional <laughs> initial thoughts. Right. Um, but but yeah, let's check in. What were your thoughts about this? And I know you had some notes from Anthony Sparks, uh, the showrunner. So let's get into it. Right. So my initial thoughts were, obviously, I knew this was coming because, of course, we're watching. We know that they're they're going in order of what has happened and what transpired during the pandemic. This is what took place in May. So we knew that this part was coming. It was very emotional, but I also thought very well shot. And there were some notes that I read that uh, between the director and the writer on this, And one of them was regarding the opening scenes with Charlie and uh, Micah. And so we see Micah's face. We know from previous episodes that Micah has had a run-in with the police. So we know that him watching this is very personal for him. And so with that said, Anthony said that with those picks, he had a W.E.B. Du Bois and the double consciousness is what he was thinking about when shooting this. And his note was, it dawned upon me with a certain suddenness that I was different from the others, shut out from their world by a vast veil, writes Du Bois. For the world I longed for and all its dazzling opportunities were theirs, not mine. Why did God make me an outcast and a stranger in my own house? This sense of always looking at oneself through the eyes of others. So the director and I decided to represent this by having him stare directly into the camera and split his face in half by the light and the dark, the warmth and the cool. We used a 100 millimeter lens to isolate him and present him in a very subjective space. So if you watched it, 
and you saw that scene, that's what they were thinking when they were doing that. Yeah. And it was, I think I just wrote in my notes, I take some very loose bullet pointed notes uh, for this podcast, but I literally put, woo, the opening scene, tears. <laughs> Those were my notes because right. just looking at both Charlie and Micah experiencing this incident all over again and like you mentioned we know that Micah has been a victim of police violence and that's that's been something that has galvanized him and turned him into you know an activist right Right. like we saw that in I believe it was season either three or four where he really comes into his own and he starts to lead activist movements. And it goes so far as to him getting death threats and Charlie having to low key protect him from all of the death threats that he received. And one came through. And so, yeah, this is, this is a rough time on him, especially. And it's a rough time on everybody. And I like that the Queen Sugar writers and directors, like they didn't, I don't feel like they re-traumatized the audience just for right, right. for a plot point. Like, right. okay, we're in the George Floyd episode. Now let's bring up all this trauma. I was really curious how they were going to deal with it. Like if we were going to see any video, because, you know, at this point it's like public domain, right? Right. So I was really glad that we didn't. I was glad that we didn't also. I thought that the way that they did it in terms of humanizing George Floyd was on point because a lot of times we're watching these traumatic experiences on TV and over and over and over again, right? And so this was a moment for them to sort of take that part out of the the way that we see these things and to show us how it affected each each member, each person. Because we all, you know, when we were watching it, it was personal to each of us. So that's what they captured, I think, in this episode, is how it personally affected each character that we know about in the show. We saw how it personally affected them. Yeah, and it definitely affected everyone differently, but also similarly, right? Like, so we understand that Micah is more traumatized. We can understand why Ralph Angel, when Hollywood calls and Ruins his honeymoon, but I get it. I, I was like, really, Hollywood? This is what you're right. you calling for? But also, it was such a, a galvanizing moment. And as, you know, Black men, I'm sure, you know, Hollywood and Ralph Angel have a particular response to it that that Aunt Vi or Charlie or Nova may not, right? It's just It just feels a little bit more personal to them. And that's not to say that Black women also aren't killed by police violence or racist violence because in the scene later on, Nova is naming all of these names and they're definitely, you know, black women and girls in that list of people who've been killed. So it's just interesting to see how everybody is reacting to it. And I thought that that was a way to get to the emotional core of the episode and the emotional core of how people are feeling without re-traumatizing us with footage of, you know, people getting beat or George Floyd, you know, saying I can't breathe or a montage of all of these particular things that we've been subjected to on social media, on the news, on whatever for years. So right. I, I liked how it was handled. It was handled by each character's reaction instead of explicitly putting these images back into our face. I appreciated the way 
that they started it and that they handled it with Nova because, um, and just like you said, like we could, they could have done it with a montage of like images and things that we have already seen. But instead of her doing that, she did something very, you know, very important, which is saying their names and saying their names in a way that, you know, it spoke to us. We heard them. We know that that's the way in which, you know, she does the things that she does, but it worked. Like, I thought that that was perfect, um, that we didn't need to see all those images, that it was enough that she just said their name. Yeah, indeed. And I think that, you know, like you mentioned, like that is a way for us to remember that it's bigger than George Floyd. And it's so crazy, right? We're in 2021 and we're on the week that this episode has dropped. They solidified the jury in the Derek Chauvin case, the the police officer who killed George Floyd. They're about to start the actual trial. So it's like all of these things are and, and the Queen Sugar team could not have known like that's where we would be right now. Right. But it's just so crazy, like how all of these things come back around and feel very full circle and still very, still feel very timely. And unfortunately, I think, you know, whether we're watching this episode of Queen Sugar this week or five years from now, it'll still feel very timely unless, you know, we do get to that world where, and I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but get to the world where, you know, at the end of this episode, when Darla and Ralph Angel have to talk to Blue, and he's just like, well, how do we change it? Like, right. Oh, that scene right there. Woo. I don't know, Blue, I don't know. <laughs> that scene, I think for me in that scene, the most poignant part of it was when, you know, we see Darla trying to stop Ralph Angel from having, from saying the thing, right? Because he's nine, and he's still a little boy, and you know, they don't want to darken this world that he lives in because the world that he lives in is full of of joy and hope and love. And he's not really seeing the things that, you know, we know is coming and that, you know, reflected in, in the moment. Right. So just to see like Ralph Angel's face when he looks at Darla and says, it's time. It's time. It's time. And I was like, no, it's not. It's not time to take this baby's innocence. But also... We all thought that, too. Yeah. But also, he he may not be directly watching the news, but kids hear things, right? They hear adults talking about things. He's been staying with Unvi in Hollywood, and Unvi in Hollywood and Mr. Prosper have been been talking about it, right? And so he's not immune no matter how much they try to maybe keep it from him and, you know, oh, Blue, go play or whatever. Like he still hears some stuff. And that whole it's time part, oh, that that really broke my heart. It broke mine too. As a mom of a kid who's had to have these conversations with my now teenager, who is like a tall young Black man, um, and you're going to be like, okay, here's how you deal with the police, which feels so unfair that at nine at blue being nine ralph angel and darla have to have this conversation with him but it's also very very true to life and and that that scene really i was i was like darla in that scene i was almost yeah me too and i read that that was the first scene that they shot um so it wasn't in order of the way we see it but that she shot that scene first and you know just uh, Kofi's timing in that was, you know, perfect. Like they didn't have to um, continue to reshoot it. Like he got it and it, it captured it perfectly. Like I, 
I was with Darla, I was crying, but I understood. Like, we all understand why it was important that, you know, he had that conversation with him right then. Because unfortunately, for our boys, this is the reality. Yeah, it definitely is. And yeah, I just... I don't know. I feel very incapable of discussing this episode because I keep just coming back to being so emotional. And, you know, I yeah. like to be like, oh, I'm a thug. But I was like crying throughout the whole episode. It was, right. it was, it was a lot. Going back to the whole double consciousness thing. And, you know, this episode opens with Charlie and Micah. And then they're later on, they get into like how to respond. Right. I thought that that conversation between them was really interesting where Micah's watching, you know, a police station in Minneapolis burn down, which definitely happened last year. And he's like, burn it down. I don't care. Burn it down. And Charlie's like, what? You can't say that. And low key, I'm on team Micah. Burn it down. Like I'm on team Micah too. (laughs) I always said on Twitter and like, I don't ever want to experience this, but if one of my loved ones was killed by the police, I'm not going to be on TV calling for peace. I'm going to be like, you know what? Don't put me on TV. I'm going to say burn it down. Okay. Right. Right. But you know, and then they have that whole, debate about like oh dr king would say x y and z um like you can't drive darkness out with darkness you have to drive it out with light and he's like you know what else dr king said riots (laughs) are the language of the unheard and so they're having this philosophical debate about how to respond and charlie is being charlie of course Um, she wants she wants to protect her kid but she also Again, I think this goes back to her upbringing. Like she was raised by a white woman and not to say that that would make it much different because a lot of black people with two black parents feel the same way she feels. Right. But she just has like a more, she comes from a more privileged background. Um, Not that Micah, because he's living off her privileged background, but he's, he's had experiences. He's had different experiences. Right. He's had much different experiences that has caused him to be more, militant in his response right and you know after their debate they end up coming around she's like oh are you going to that protest he's like yeah i helped plan it, <laughs> I planned it right <laughs> <laughs> who else is planning protests in this small town okay like you know your son was involved right charlie was just being charlie you know like she wants to protect her son but also we've and we've talked about this in the past like her responses to things are so much different because of the way that she was brought up, you know? So she, and also she wants to do things the right way or what she considers the right way. So the right way in this case would be, oh, well, we'll fight it from the inside and we'll do all the other stuff. But hey, there's a moment to do that. And that's for sure the way to do it. But there's also a moment to just, to just get out and just to get out in the street and to say, we're not going to take this thing that, that keeps happening to us to our sons, to um, our our daughters. Like, we're not going to keep going through this, you know? And so he always has the um, rebuttal to the things that she says because he's thoughtful in why he's doing what he's doing. And I and for me, like, watching it, I just want to be like, Charlie, my, give Micah, a, you know, like, give him a chance because every right. time you come with whatever, he comes with his rebuttal, but his rebuttals make sense. You know, so like, let him do what he had to do. And I, and we saw her do that in this moment. Like she was like, okay, you're right. You, this is what we're going to do. And she was out there protesting with them, which was the right thing to do. 
It was absolutely the right thing to do. And I'm going to get to him in a second, but so is Calvin. But I think it was more of a hostage thing. But um, (laughs) when it comes to Charlie and Micah, we've been talking about all season about how their relationship, you know, we initially began the season of wondering how they would deal (laughs) being back in the same house again after Micah's been in college for a little bit. He got some freedom and turns out they're dealing okay. Like they have their you know, their, their little squirmishes about how, how each of them like to do things. But like you've been saying, Charlie's been coming around and Charlie definitely saw it from Micah's side, not only came around, but she, she got the shirt on. She's out there, no justice, no piecing. And I'm wondering what kind of effect is that going to have on her being a councilwoman? Right. Right. I was thinking that too. Like when she, when she said, you know, do you have another one of those shirts? I was like, okay, you know, you're also a councilwoman. So that's why, you know, um, originally I was just like, she, she has to, she has the capability to make that fight from the inside. Right. But this wasn't that moment. This was that moment to join and, and be vocal on the outside with everyone else. But I want to know what that looks like for her moving forward. Like, how are they going to, did anybody see her? Is she going to be on You know, like, what's that going to look like for her? Because we already know that other black councilman dude is like, right, not down for the cause. Right. Because he's trying to talk about him by giving out food and stuff, you know, right. to people who need it. So, so I'm wondering if that's going to come back up. So that's something that we'll definitely keep an eye out on. The other, uh, so we're just going to go character by character. So Unvi in Hollywood, right? Right. Aunt Vi and Hollywood. Aunt Vi is rightly pissed off about, mm-hmm. you know, the killing of George Floyd. And she's a little bit, the word is not naive, but she's more surprised, I guess, than right. I thought she should be for someone who has lived through, I'm assuming, segregated Louisiana. Right, right. Or at the very least, like, racist parts of Louisiana. And so... When she's having that conversation with Mr. Prosper, Mr. Prosper is like, when is racism new? When right. is killing black people new? And she's right. and and again, both of these responses are valid, right? Mm-hmm. He, Mr. Prosper is not brushing it off, but he's also not surprised. Right. And Aunt Vi is angry as she should be, but she also, to me, feels a little surprised in a way where I'm like, Vi, where where have you been these past right, few right. years? But then you add to that Hollywood, and this really affects him, particularly because, you know, when George Floyd was being strangled on the street, he does start to call out for his mom, and his mom has passed on. And so we know Hollywood's mom has just passed, and so he's dealing with that whole grief and trauma. And then to see this Black man get killed on TV over and over again, number one, but also calling out for his deceased mom that definitely struck a chord in Hollywood in such a way where I think we get some of the most, this thing was like filled with powerful lines, like between Nova's called out to the ancestors. And again, we're going to get to them in a minute. Her putting Calvin (laughs) on blast. Right. But uh, like just Hollywood explaining to Vi, you know, later on in the episode where they're boarding up Vi's pies just in case anything pops off and she finds a gun in his toolbox. And again, I'm a, uh, 
people in Louisiana, like I'm sure Ernest had guns and Absolutely. she probably grew up around guns because that's what you did back then. But yeah, so she has an adverse reaction to, to finding this gun in Hollywood's toolbox. And he just, Mr. Prosper sees himself to the back because he was like, he oh, does. this is a married like, person. This is about to be a conversation. <laughs> but But the way Hollywood came in there and said, look, these are the people that I am charged with protecting and I'm going to go down protecting them. period period like this isn't up for discussion really like i get what you're saying but this is what i'm to do as a man you know is to protect my family and that means all y'all and he like name names he's like all y'all you know so literally everybody in the borderline family and mr prosper and mr prosper he was like that's what i'm charged with doing so this is what i'm gonna do and you know she had to respect it like she don't like it and i'm with you like she's it seems a little naive because she grew up in this whole space, right? And I'm sure the, in the men country. in the country they probably sure, they all had guns. They right, had to, right? And I'm and the men around her had them. So, but I also wonder if that has something to do with you know she does have a um, Jimmy Dale, right? <laughs> she does have that. So maybe that is something that you know she's. We don't know that part. It right. could be you know that he threatened her with a gun and she's just like, I'm not, I don't want that in the house, but yeah. that's, but that's not Hollywood. You know what I mean? So how, and Hollywood said, this is what I'm doing. This is what's happening. You just need to be all right with it. And Hollywood had that line, which I think, I don't mean to sound grandiose, right? But <laughs> he had this line that I think is very important in how black people have survived where he said that, you know, if he gets got, if I get got, he wants people to know that I love somebody and somebody loved me enough to let me fight for our chance to live. Right. Right. And I was like, oh my God, like Anthony Sparks, shout out to you. You were really swinging for the fences in this episode where it was just so many heavy hitting moments. And it wasn't like, you know, sometimes you can see that there's a writer behind all of these words. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that, you know, if you have actors who may not be as strong or the language is just so flowery where you're like, people don't really talk like that. Right. But when Omar Dorsey, a.k.a. Hollywood, was delivering these lines and when he was talking to Vi and he was like sort of narrating our way out of the episode almost right. um, or bridging the gap from, you know, the grownups to, to having the conversation with blue, all of those things. Like I truly believe that a man who loves his wife and who loves his family and who feels convicted to protect them would say something like that. Absolutely. And he, he also brought up the fact that people are talking about how George Floyd died, but they're not talking about how he lived. If he had children, if he had a wife, if he right. had siblings, those are things that did, you know, come out later. But on March or, or on May 27, 2020, people didn't really know all of that. Right? right. So we got the trauma porn, but we didn't get the the life behind the person. And right. when Hollywood made that point, like I was, I was going to bring that up. When he made the point that, you know, we know about what happened, we can see it, right? And we can see that this grown Black man is seen in his final moments calling out for his mom, who, if he could feel the breath coming out of him, you know, maybe that was who he was seeing at that moment. You know, and this is what Hollywood is saying, you know, and and I'm, I'm like, 
putting two different conversations together. That's what he said towards the end of the, the episode. But in that moment in Vice Pies, you know, he's saying that we don't know about. We didn't, we're not seeing who he is and who he was as a man, you know, and Unvi made a very valid point when she was talking to Prosper, when she was just like, you know, if this man supposedly came in here with, you know, a counterfeit $20 bill, why is the go-to assume the worst? You know, maybe he just needed to eat. Or call the police. Like she said, I, I could think of 10 other things I would do, do besides calling the police, which right. is another little, like, this is why it pays to have people who care about these things, right? Who are not only writing a TV show for entertainment, but who are also using it, not really to make a point, but like to make a point. You know what I mean? Like To make a point. They're still, they're not preaching to us about, oh, defund the police. But in that moment, Anvaya is saying, look, there needs to be alternatives to calling the police. Right. Calling the police should not be the first thing people do. And so I think that that was just a very tiny little moment, but it also Mm -hmm. kind of speaks to the larger need for, you know, community, the larger need for other resources besides calling the police. No, and these were all the points that it's like these subtleties that were in there. It's like you were saying about um, not being preached to, but being shown, giving a glimpse or, or just showing the conversations that I feel were being had you know, in a lot of different households. Like we have Prosper's perspective where he's older, you know, so he's kind of like, I've seen this before, you know, it's horrible, but I've seen this before. We see Hollywood's take where he's touched, you know, and 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 it's it's affecting him in a certain way, you know, because he's grieving the loss of his mother. So there's all these moments that they packed into this, you know, hour-long episode to remind us of what was going on for us at the time. And Anthony, you know, like Anthony, he just, Anthony Sparks, he just touched on it. You know, I I thought the writing was so well done. The cinematography is so well done. Like all of it was so well done. Yeah. Everybody, I mean, we always talk about how beautiful everybody looks and even in their saddest moments in this episode, everybody looks great okay so shout out to the queen sugar staff for cast set design all that for continuing to do the damn thing and showing black people in every way and in beautiful ways lastly let's get to (laughs) white (laughs) calvin right and nova let's get to calvin and nova and calvin's daughter again nova delivers one one of many <laughs> because this episode is full of them right. powerful moments where right. she, you know, calls out all these victims names. I think she's recording it for her website and, you know, yeah, it just breaks her down. Like, like it breaks the rest of us down, but then she's feeling some type of way because Calvin seems dismissive almost of everything that's happening. And he also doesn't want to like mention it or talk about it. And then it comes out, that you know nova asks him like do you feel ashamed right and he's like why i didn't do anything and right. his daughter his daughter kind of does that same thing too like he didn't do anything and then nova's like look when somebody black does something all black people are painted with the you know with the brush of like oh my god we're so sorry this happened like right whenever there's a major incident uh we definitely go into uh, the please don't let this person be black syndrome. right right 
Like, please don't let this shooter be black. Please don't let this whatever be black. But white white people usually don't get painted with the like. If a white person does something, you know, shoots up seventy nine people in Las Vegas, it's not the all nope. of them. The way it it's is not for all us. white people, right? right? Like, if a black person shot up seventy nine people in Vegas, we all would be feeling like, oh, right. really, bruh? But white people don't have that burden. So she's talking to him about this, and then it comes out that. He stood by and watched a young black boy get beat up at a grocery store to, right. or a corner store for allegedly stealing like a candy bar. Yes. And the cop who beat him up was like, oh, this is this is insurance. So he doesn't do it in the future. Right. So, you know, that kind of makes his daughter look at him sideways. So I'm sure she never thought her dad was quote, one of the bad ones. She's probably like, Oh, my dad was a good cop. Right. But you know that she's like, how could you, how dare you? And so I still think this tension with Nova and Calvin is unresolved. I mean, toward the end, we see that Nova, Calvin and Calvin's daughter are all at the protest that Micah has uh, organized but I still don't think that that, that no, part is resolved. I think because I felt that he was dismissive, but also detached. You know, like it's not about him. Like like he, he's seeing a thing, but he has right. learned to detach from that thing because, because that's it's about black people. Right. And so and, and everything is, you know, he's looking at it from the lens of, well, I didn't have anything to do with that. It's not about me, you know, and. And therefore, he can detach himself from the thing. But I also wanted to say, this is like an aside, when um, the daughter was talking about James Baldwin, but calling him... Uh, Jimmy B or something like right, that? Right, right. And Nova I was like, corrected, sis. Nova got yes. her correct real quick. Like, and, and you will call him James uh, Baldwin. Like, like stop. Okay, stop like you, you were not in Harlem in the 60s. How are you calling this man Jimmy B? Right, right. Like, you getting beside yourself a little bit. <laughs> That's where she went with that. And but Nova was in a moment, like you know, she was just like trying to understand because she's here with you know with this man who is a white man and a police officer, right? So she's trying to like navigate those feelings for herself because she knows how she feels, but she's trying to understand how he would feel in that moment. And I'm with you. I don't think it was resolved. Like I think she still is kind of feeling a way about it. I feel like things with Nova and Calvin are not resolved. We're going to see a continuation of this conversation uh, brewing as the weeks go on, I think. I definitely think so. And it looks like the next episode, we're going to get more protests. Whereas in the beginning of the season, we were moving month by month. And now we're like week by week almost, right? Right, right. So we went from early May to May 19th, which is, you know, when Darla and Ralph Angel got married. And mm-hmm. interestingly enough, and I meant to bring this up last week, I don't know if it's a connection or not, but May 19th is Malcolm X's birthday. Mm. So I'm wondering like why they picked that date, particularly since it was a Tuesday last right, year. Right, right. So it wasn't like it was a Saturday. It was a Tuesday in 2020. So right. Just just a little tidbit, maybe to show that these black people not rolling over, which absolutely when that we got to that scene, again, this is about, you know, Hollywood and Ralph Angel. So I think the difference between trauma porn and dealing with traumatic experiences that your characters are going through is like one of them just leaves you feeling bad. 
that would be trauma porn. Like, oh, we went through all this and now I feel terrible. Right. And the other one has the ability to leave you feeling hopeful or at least leave you feeling like, okay, these characters are not mired in this trauma. They have been traumatized, but they're doing something about it. Mm-hmm. And so we get that scene when, you know, Ralph Angel and Darla decide to cut their honeymoon short because she's like, I just need to hug my baby, which I totally get. Yeah. Well, he was just like, let's just stay here. I was like, really, Ralph Angel? Okay. But I understood what he was saying too, I, which which Darla which Darla said. You know, she was he he was just like, you know, we are gonna go back to this. This is this is never gonna stop for us. Like we're gonna be in this moment. Life is gonna continue. We're gonna get back to it. We have this little space, this little time of peace, this little moment to be by the water, to look in each other's eyes, to like celebrate each other, and let's just do that. But you know, Darla's coming from the standpoint, like, but our son is in the midst of that thing. And we don't know right. how he is responding to it, what's going on with him. I just want to hug my baby. I just want to know that he's okay. I just want to tell him it's going to be okay, whatever I have to do, but that's what I want to do. And, right. you know, and I appreciated that uh, Ralph Angel was just like, well, then let's go. You know, so we see that moment and then we see them at the gas station with mm-hmm. that little foolery that took place. <laughs> I was like, where is this going? Because right. I, I got nervous and I was like, don't do this to us. I did get scared because I got shades of Jordan Davis being killed in that, you know, in that scene. And I think that that's one of the things that for those of us who know what happened in that case, like Jordan Davis and his friends were at a gas station. Some white man apparently didn't like that they were playing their music so loud and he shot up the car killing Jordan Davis. Mm-hmm. And I, when Ralph Angel's at this gas station, how come in all these movies something bad goes down at the gas station? For right, some white folks. Right, always right. at the gas station. Always. But um, <laughs> so he's at the gas station, and Darla has on her Black Moms Matter shirt. Right. I don't know where she got that so fast, but she got it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> unless she just had it in the chamber, <laughs> she was like, "I'm gonna wear it today." But anyway, right. And the white dude was like, oh, my mom doesn't matter. White moms don't matter. And then you have to have this like all lives matter, black lives matter conversation. And then Darla's like, let me tell you something, homeboy. (laughs) Right. And then Ralph Angels just kind of like ignore him. He's a dumbass. And then, you know, homeboy is still popping off talking about, oh, he deserved it. And I'm just like. Really? 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 Uh, yeah. And then Ralph Angel's like, whatever, keep it pushing because you don't want this smoke over here. And like, I will kick your ass, basically. And then Homeboy goes into his car. And I was like, okay. I got, what is happening? Yeah, I got concerned because I, I was like, concerned. I don't want to see this. <laughs> I don't want to see this. Yeah. Not right now. I got concerned. He went up into his car cause, and then he drove off. So I was like, woo. So I think that this moment was for. You know, yes, we're feeling traumatized by yet another Black person being killed and it being caught on camera. Yes, we're feeling distraught and hurt and all of this, but like we're not backing down. And so I think we see that in Micah (laughs) not backing down because he's, you know, organizing this protest. He's like, I'm not not on my watch. right? Right. We see it in Hollywood where Hollywood is willing to die. Right. To protect his family at all costs. Right. And we see it in Ralph Angel where he's fully 
ready to die too. If right. we get into this confrontation with this white man at this gas station. Right. And what he's not going to do is let this man think he's better than him. Absolutely. And so I really appreciated the, the defiance in this episode of all the men in the, in, yes. in this episode, like, cause we've seen the strength of the women um, yes. throughout the seasons. We've seen Charlie rise up. We've seen all of that, but in this particular moment and, and it's so poignant, it's like, it's so on point. We're seeing each one of these borderline men. And well, Hollywood, I'm calling them borderline men, but you know, um, each one of these men, you know, stand up and say, listen, we're not doing this. We're not doing this this time. Like, we're not going to, to take what you're giving because we're tired. You know what I mean? Like, we're tired of taking right. it. And you clearly see that line drawn between all three of them. And, um, and it, was, it was perfect the way they did it. It was perfect. And I mean, I think it, it sets the tone for the next episode, which again, looks like it's going to be about protesting right. and, you know, cause it was the summer of it. It was the, it was the summer yeah. of it. Right. Yeah. So I'm here for it and I know we'll be watching um, before we get out of here or is there something else you want to add? Nope. That's it. You nailed it. All right. Well, I'm here for it. And before we get out of here, you know what time it is. Uh, Sharon, who's your border loan of the week? My border loan of the week is Micah. From start to finish, like, I was really feeling the the pain that he felt towards it, but not st- sitting in that pain, but deciding to do something about it. And so I feel like Micah was all of us, you know, in the things that he said to his mom as to why he's going to do it. Um, and to actually getting out there and getting it done, you know, um, I just applaud the youth in him. I applaud the, the, the need to want to get out there and, um, figure out a solution. And also in just saying, we're not going to take this anymore. So whatever it is that we're going to do, we're going to do it together as a community. And so Micah is my borderline of the week. That's a great choice. I low key wanted to give it to all the men in this episode. I don't know if that's a cop out. But I do think the writers were, like you said, all of the women have been strong and demonstrated their strength in so many different ways, whether it's Aunt Vi, like putting on for the community or taking in Uncle Prosper or continuing to help out or just trying to soldier through her disease and start her business or Charlie always trying to do his best for the farmers and for her family and for the community and Nova bringing these stories forward. But I think my borderline of the week if I had to choose, was Hollywood. But really, Hollywood, Micah, and Ralph Angel would be my border loads of the week. But <laughs> if I if I have to pick one, I'm going to go with Hollywood just because, man, Omar Dorsey is is acting his ass off in the show once again. And just what he tells Unc Vi about the fact that he will sacrifice anything, including his life, to protect his family. And that's not just her. That's her family. That's Mr. Prosper. That's the people that they they care about. I would think he might even go far for somebody in the community, right? Like, I don't think Mm -hmm. there's anyone that Hollywood loves that he wouldn't lay down his life for. And so just for that, for articulating it in such a a magnificent way, he is my board and loan slash desole of the week. Good choice. Good choice. All right, y'all. We've come to the end of yet another episode of We Be Watching Queen Sugar. Uh, we will definitely be here next week. So come back and join us. In the meantime, if you have questions, if you have comments, 
anything at all, you can hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at we be watching pod. You can also send us an email at we be watching pod at gmail.com. And again, if you're listening on Apple, please leave us a review, hit us with that good five star and a kind note. It continues to help us spread the word about the podcast. Until then, I am Brittany Danielle. I'm Sharon Brooks. And we'll see you next week, y'all. Bye.